McNulty stunning for to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the PO Forecast, episode 148. Again, Hugh is unfortunately absent this evening, so you are left in the slightly less capable hands of myself, Andy, and the good man that is Freddie Webb. Freddie answering the question of, is it possible to look even more gorgeous in graduation robes? And I'm hearing a strong rumour that the answer is yes, Freddie. Congratulations on your slightly delayed graduation how are things going bud oh thanks very much andy yeah i've been really well had a nice few days off with the family i've gone up for my belated ma graduation in journalism very strange it was two years late but had a fun day it was nice to see everybody and yeah my work and personal life's going all right so far which is brilliant and yeah even though it seems strange that season's over we've got a bit to chat about pompey so there are some bits and bobs that we need to go through Absolutely, yeah. Welcome to being, I guess, an official adult that you've been doing for the last two years anyway, Val. Pretty grim. I miss being a student. Why else do you think I'm a lecturer? Because I can just live on vicariously through hundreds of people stood in front of me who... You, did, you, you didn't fancy leaving the uni bubble, did you? Never, ever happening. Um, I could just, yeah, pretend I'm living the good student life while in fact I'm pretty miserable marking their work while they fall asleep in my lectures. It's an inspiring career choice. And uh, yeah, I, I thoroughly recommend it to anyone. Anyway, started strong. Let's complain about the work life. Um, so the plan for this evening, Fred has done a actually quite a large amount of research, uh, which I don't mean to say in I'm such a surprise surprised. tone. <laughs> oh, no, I don't mean to sound surprised, Fred. But yeah, so Fred, I'm actually going to, I'm going to hand over to you a lot this evening. I'm obviously here to, uh, to chat Pompey, but I'm aware on this occasion you've done more legwork than me. So I'm purely here for opinion-based content, whereas you might actually have some form of evidence to support your points, which is kind of cheating if you ask me, but each to their own. Uh, So the plan is we are going to chat through contract renewals and try and anticipate information coming on the retained list at any point in the near future. Uh, We've heard just before recording that Marcus Harness's option has been uh, held on to for another year or the the contract extension for another year has been... uh, the option's been taken up by the club. So we will be discussing this, other contract excitements, anything to do with the director of football. There's just so much going on, Fred. Where do you want to start, my friend? Uh, I think the best place to start is a tiny little bit of look back at this season. Just our brief opinion on the positives and negatives of this season. Because because I know so many people have done their season reviews and have lamented on it, but I think we should hit a nail on the head with that and just give 
a brief summation of what the season was. So in the end, Pompey finished 10th on 73 points, which is actually quite a high amount of points to finish 10th. They were behind Bolton on goal difference. And overall, in my opinion, it was a, it was a strange season. There were many positive bits. I'm not sure if you agree. I believe they managed to stamp in a style of play over the year. Um, I think I've got a good. Ha- I think most of the players who will stay on next season will have a good handle on what the Cowleys want in terms of a high attacking press, playing football on the floor through the middle, and attacking with intent and purpose, which is a good thing. And also, I could see many players who Pompey still have permanently long term being key parts of the squad: um, Connor Ogilvy, Joe Morrell, Clark Robertson are some main ones, and I think Marcus Harness as well. But potentially with that year extra there are obviously some people's contracts by the by which we haven't decided on yet and I thought overall there are a few missteps in transfer window but I thought Danny Cowley put his stamp on it fairly well I thought January was really positive with Edna Bryan and Hayden Carter among the top echelons so I'll pass on to you Andy even though it was a mid-table season what are your positives from this season? I do think there are plenty actually uh, I know I have the reputation for being the disgustingly optimistic one on the panel, but I think there are plenty of positives. Obviously, 10th is, it's, I mean, it sounds cliche to say you end up where you deserve to be, but I would say that we weren't as good as the, the teams above us in general and we were better than the teams below us. I don't think you can really argue that there was some awful twist of fate that you know, or unfortunate event that caused us to finish lower than we deserved to. I think we ended up being a mid-table team after a mid-table season. And it's clear that that little spell of games in the new year, after we had the run of games postponed because of COVID outbreaks, struggling to get ahead of steam up after that has eventually probably cost us a decent chance at making the playoffs. It's, it's unfortunate that over the course of such a long season, a run like that can essentially make or break your entire year. But these things happen, Fred. It's always next year, isn't it? It's always next season. Um, I agree with you that we do have a style of play that I'm more attuned with than we did under Jacket now, moving forward. I think, as you say, the high press on its day has worked extremely well. Uh, I don't think too many teams have been able to exploit the high press to a a huge amount. But... um, it's not been dreadful as it has been pretty much what we expected and we have the power of hindsight a little bit now it's been a couple of weeks since since the season ended we're a little bit slow with our sort of our end season review for for myriad reasons that the listener won't give two monkeys about so we won't go into but um i think with the a little bit of cooling cooling off period and if that's the right term a little bit of downtime i think we can reflect that we finished where we deserve to be there are some very good signings in there, as you said correctly. I think having Conor Ogilvy and Aidan O'Brien, hopefully we'll get the... I mean, I'll be very disappointed if we end up with neither of them on our books in any way next season. But um, I think there are positives. There are certainly some negatives too. Uh, you don't end up 10th with the perfect season. But um, oh, it starting to seem like a long time ago already, Fred. The playoffs are still going on. And I've already kind of put the season on the back burner a little bit and started thinking forward to August. But um, Fred, do you think that the squad is stronger than it was 12 months ago? That's a good question, actually. Thank Um, you, Fred. It's really rough to say that without the retain list being announced. 
because there are so, there's okay, so for, much okay, up let's, in the air. Let's, let's change, change on a dime. Let's change the question it. slightly, Fred. I'll change the question slightly. On the final day of the season, was the squad stronger than the final day of the season against, I think it was Accrington the year before? Yes, um, considering most of the play on the pitch. Um, I won't really discuss the Sheffield Wednesday away game because that ended poorly. And um, even though me, Hugh and some of the other lads from Pompey ended up going up there, it quickly turned into, we focused on non-footballing activities for most of that weekend. And listeners can guess what that was. Fred so, does love a strip joint. It's, no, it's true. It, was, it wasn't a strip joint. Don't worry. forecast official. No, it, it wasn't. It was many, many bars. And Andy, one thing that was quite funny that you would like to know, we met some Pompey fans in, uh, if you know Sheffield, West Street Live, proper uh, proper nightclub in Sheffield. And loads of loads of Pompey fans in there, uh, some recognisers, which was very nice. I, I'm so sorry, I can't remember your names because I had too many doubles. And one person shouted across the dance floor, I love Guess the XG, which I'm sure you'd be very happy to hear about, Andy. I don't understand why you make these stories up. It's embarrassing. I, Seriously, it's, it's true. This is clearly, <laughs> clearly pure fiction uh, because you've, you've made one rookie mistake there in your story is that you've said something that is literally not true because no one thinks that. Well, so, uh, uh, yeah. we'll, 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 Hugh will collaborate with me on that one. Hugh basically. isn't here, Fred. He's not here at the moment when he's when he's feeling better, then yeah. But you mentioned about the squad. It's stronger than last season purely because last season completely ended our damp squib completely and the style of play wasn't there. Now it is, but the problem is to a certain extent, I feel like Pompey are in exactly the same position as last summer, where they are having to completely rebuild, retool, whatever phrase you want to use it for. There's a potential for a lot of players coming in and a lot of players going out again, which breeds uncertainty, which is disappointing. There's a style of play now, thankfully, and rough formation ideas, whether Danny Cowley wants to go for the back three or the back four or not. So that sort of narrows down recruitment a fair bit, which I think will make things easier. But there's still uncertainty there, and fans don't know what the squad will look like by the time next season starts. And yeah, this season, that I think, the, as you mentioned earlier, the main things that that you ruined it this season were those two horrible stretches, um, bad runs of form. Uh, I think after that 0-0 draw against Doncaster at the Kimo Stadium in August to the 2-1 loss at Burton Albion a month later, Pompey went over a month without winning a game. I think it was three points from a possible 21, which is... Promotion no, form, Fred. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> then the other poor run of form in the new year, if you remember from January to February, from the nil-nil draw against Cambridge United to the three-two defeat against Oxford, which which is unlucky actually, beaten by two screamers. It was two points from a possible eighteen, and those two stretches just made it made it pretty much impossible for Pompey to be in the playoff conversation seriously for long amounts of time. So yeah. <laughs> The squad was stronger, but there's so many lone players are going back and there's still uncertainty in the transfer window. So we've got to have those caveats in, I think. I do think a moment of silence in memory of Gavin Bazunia is necessary at some point on the podcast. I think we all need to pour mm. pour a drink out for, for one's homie and um, and take a little time out to appreciate what we had with a, yeah, a single I mean, tear. It was, it was between him and Sean Raggett for player of the season. Raggett got the accolades, but Bazunu with his excellent goalkeeping for most of the games. Mm. 
pretty much kept Pompey in many of them where sometimes they didn't have a right to be. And he's, he's an international goalkeeper, for God's sake, at 19, I believe. So he's got he, next season. He can if he he could pretty much be number two at Man City if he wants to, or he can go on another loan spell, basically wherever he likes. I think That's he's twenty. I think he's twenty, Fred. He's, he's twenty. 20 now. You've uh, yeah. you've taken the year off his life there, which mm. he may well appreciate. I don't know. If, if, <laughs> is twenty old enough to wish you were younger, or are you still wishing you were older at this point? You're closer he, to it than me. You don't care at twenty, to be honest with you. <laughs> Going to live forever. Uh, yeah, I I agree. I think. I'm going to come up with a take that might not be popular and that I think it will be absolutely hilarious if he goes to Southampton, which is what's being rumoured. I don't know how much truth is in it. It was a few days ago, wasn't it? There were some some rumours abound. I think that would be hilarious if he went to Southampton. Just the, the balls to do that. I, I, I'd, I, I'd, I'd be a little bit sick, to be honest. Oh, yeah, I know. Hugh said, I think it was Hugh said something about how like disgusted he'd feel. Um I think it would be hilarious, if I'm honest. I think it's not as if it's a player who we can expect in the long term to have any real loyalty to the club, but did a fantastic job for us. And anyone who's just got the stones to brazenly do that, mm. I mean, it's quite it's quite or, or you could argue Pompey built his career and we could hang our hat on that, depending on how positive you are. I struggle with this point of view because it's not like it was a charity case and... We played him for 46 or 40 whatever games of the season as a personal favour. Uh, we played him because he was the best goalkeeper we had. It's similar with Jamal Lowe when um, when he left. And a, a lot of people were saying, oh, you know, we made him what he was. He owes us. And it's like, well, actually, he came on as a sub in the first game and ran at their defence and then didn't really ever look back. Uh, I've never really got the whole a player owes the club thing unless, you know, unless I don't want to name any names here. But unless you're the manager's son playing for Portsmouth and maybe you do owe the club a little bit and you're getting a gig in centre midfield when potentially you shouldn't do um, in sort of the 2014-ish era. Um, I don't think he owes us anything. But, I mean, we're getting sidetracked here. The odds mm. are it was just mm. a load of absolute rubbish anyway and he's not going anywhere Probably. Probably. If he's got any common sense. Um, but. Yeah, I've just gone through a quick top down all the way through the fixture list and I believe it's 17 clean sheets for him which is pretty mental if I've done my maths right. But Where was Pompey's on, goals yeah. conceded, Fred? So, well, goals four for Portsmouth was 68, which is quite a drop-off. Same, same as Plymouth Argyle, actually, who finished just outside the playoffs in a hilarious fashion. And <laughs> um, 50, 51 against, which is actually roughly around what most of the teams have in who are in the playoff mm. positions. MK Dons conceded 44, Sheffield Wednesday conceded 50, Sunderland 53, Wickham Wanderers 51. So I think mainly goal scoring, it just just by looking at those two numbers in isolation. And 11 of those were in three games against what, Ipswich, Wednesday and Oxford. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. So basically, uh, what, what we've, um, Fred, can we just like pause and sort of condense what we've concluded so far on this high quality edition of the PO forecast is that. You're being cynical it, again. It, doesn't sound like me. Um, except for the two really poor runs of form that cost us a chance at the playoffs, Pompey did a pretty good job. And except the games where we conceded three or four goals, we didn't concede that many goals. That's the standard of punditry. I mean, you didn't have to put it like that, but... I think self-awareness you know, it, it, is important. It, it, there's more context there, but we're rambling on now. Um, one thing that's been in the news a lot, <laughs> one thing that's been in the news a lot is all the stuff about the sporting director 
Um, obviously, you heard that Richard Hughes, not that Richard Hughes, as much as I want it to be, from Christ Green Rovers chose to stay put, and he and while he was at the club, they've had some pretty good transfer record. Um, Ibu Adams, to name a few, he's a very good player. And Pompey were also in talks with Ben Strang from Cambridge United, but those talks ended up breaking down as well. He chose to stay put. I'm going to put this question to you before putting over my opinion, because I've seen fans lose their mind over this, saying, oh my God, he chose, he chose Forest Green Rovers, they're awful, they're in the middle of nowhere, blah, blah, blah. Does it matter? Does it really matter? Well, that he's decided to stay rather than come to no, Pompey? No, with all the director of football stuff, is it as integral as it's made out to be? I, that's an interesting question, Fred. I think with the right man in place, it can genuinely make a large difference over a longer period of time. I don't think it's the sort of role you're going to see wholesale changes within six months. But if we're going down this mantra of, you know, I'm going to say it very softly, brick by brick. If we're going down that that sort of mantra um, for, you know, whatever your interpretation of that is or whatever your opinion on that phrase is, I think that sort of long-term plan is a, a fairly integral part of that. I don't think it's something that's going to make or break whether or not Pompey end up in the playoffs in the next season or maybe even in the next two seasons. I also don't think it's as simple as, oh, he's cho- chosen to stay at Forest Green rather than come to Portsmouth. Therefore, we can say that there is a definite causative reason or a causal reason Forest Green are a bigger club than Portsmouth. Ah, what's going on? Everyone panic. I think there's a lot of other factors to take into account here in terms of he's already settled there. I assume his family are settled there as well. There's going to be a, a certain extent of not wanting to to uproot, uh, uproot your entire life and move somewhere new. We don't know the exact contract improvement that he was offered at the club. And he's got part of a project in place there that probably doesn't want to leave it because the project is being fairly successful there so far. Uh, they've obviously been in the news a bit more this week than they have been for a while for other reasons. But I, I don't think it's a panic stations. And I don't think, you know, it's not as if he is the zenith of director of football quality in the planet or on the planet. I'm sure he would do an excellent job and the the job at Forest Green, you can't argue against the progress that club has made. But at the same time, I'm sure there are other candidates who would do the job equally as well with a similar out, uh, mindset. So, yeah, I'm I'm not all about the hype on this one, to be honest, Fred. I'm downplaying it a little bit. I'm not there's plenty of things to get carried away about over the course of the off-season. And for me, it's not a non-story, but it's not something that I'm going to be losing a huge amount of sleep over. Um, what are your thoughts on it, Fred? Uh, I couldn't really care, to be honest. <laughs> and, it's mainly, yeah, and, it's, and it's mainly because, uh, not of the fact that Pompey lost out on a director of football. I do, Cowlett, uh, he's mentioned it before, and so is Eric Eisner on the previous episode of PFO Plus, that they are looking seriously at someone at that role to link the the recruitment to the management and they think it's a role of high importance. But I do also think that there are plenty of directors of football out there. I don't think it's a case of since we've lost out on Richard Hughes that it's all going to go pear-shaped. There'll be some more directors of football out there who I think on a personal level would probably be able to work with Danny Cowley. And also really what I'm really focused on with this is what actual impact would it have on transfers in the summer? 
because obviously the sun is the most important thing now and we've mentioned it several times and I don't think it'll make much of a difference whether when the defensive football comes in because I believe that Danny the Cowleys would have done a lot of work a lot of work already figuring out not only which players will stay and which will go but also transfer targets to link with the formation he said as much when I had a chat with him at uh, of training ground when he was uh, giving the kids of uh, me on junior school uh, putting them through their paces before their Utilita Kids Cup final at the League One Player Final. So if you want to watch that, representing Pompey, hope they do well. He mentioned he mentioned that so much so much work has been done already on basically prep for the transfer window and more more is to come as well. And also, Jordan Cross mentioned in a piece on the news that basically summates that that Cowley always already knows what sort of players he wants. The budget will be the vagaries of the budget will already be ironed out depending on who signs offered extensions and who doesn't. So I think the impact on those transfers will be quite small. And I think that's the most important thing short term. And it's strange to think, oh well we need to focus on the short term, but this summer is so important for where this club could be over the next few seasons that I think that's really the most important thing. And I don't think is, um... I don't think missing out on a direct on a um, a sporting director will will severely hamper those plans. I don't think. So you're saying this is the sum that decides if Pompey are in Europe within five years, essentially, Fred. That's uh, what I'm hearing. I'm not saying that. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's my take on what you're I just I, I, I just don't think it will have the impacts that many will have if we miss. I think I'd be more I'd be more disappointed if certain players weren't signed rather than which director of football would come in. Yeah, that sounds sure. like a very football fan thing to say. Focusing stuff on the pitch as always. But I believe it's right on this one. Mm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of focus on off the pitch matters and it seems to be the primary focus a lot of the time. And it would be nice to think that... I don't know, it's just nice to focus on the pitch sometimes, Fred. We spend so much time talking about transparency and director of football and redoing the you know health and safety and the money that's put into the infrastructure. Sometimes it's just nice to talk about what's happening on the pitch because that's what we pay... I hate to think how many well actually no to be fair price freezers that's what we pay I can't even remember what is it 450 350 450 can't even remember what we pay for season tickets I don't have season tickets yet so I don't know uh, oh, I can't to the price of it yet I so. honestly can't remember what I paid last year it seems like a very long time ago but we pay that money for what's happening on the pitch so sometimes it's nice to just focus on that and I don't think this is going to have a massive impact on this transfer window myself and this is, as you say, a big transfer window. This is the third Cowley transfer window. And that's generally, you know, you give a manager three transfer windows and see what they've, they've done with the squad. And um, we've been told not to expect as much turnover as last season, which is reassuring. And um, we'll see where we are at the, end of, at the end of summer. But you feel like there's a few twists and turns to take place. But... I guess that that kind of leads us on to another topic for us to speak about, Fred, which is where on the pitch you look at the the priority being, I guess. And it's a conversation we have every single transfer window. It's a conversation we have between the transfer windows. But I'm just going to sort of lead here with some, some stats that the near post posted at, at the start of May. And I think I sent them to Hugh, to you and Hugh at the time and to, to Adam from Pompey News Now as well. 
And it was basically the top five players for a number of categories. So we've got top five players for goals scored in League One this season, top five players for assists in League One this season, top five players for shots in League One this season, top five players for key passes in League One this season, top five places for dribbles completed in League One this season, top five places for fouls won in League One this season, top five places for League One interceptions this season. Uh, Just for spoilers, no Pompey players featuring so far. Uh, Top five players for League One tackles won this season. Top five players for aerials won this season. Top five players for League One 2021-2022 clearances is where we see the first Pompey featuring with Sean Raggett in second at 2.30. So all of those categories we've just listed, no Pompey players in the top five, which suggests, I mean, there's there's a mixture there of defensive and attacking roles. It suggests that maybe there are a couple of places that if we're serious about pushing for promotion, which you'd like to think, you know, for me, this season was a bit of a free hit. Next season, we've got to be pushing playoffs as far as I'm concerned. This was the bedding in season. Next season is the pushing season. But um, you see Raggett second in, in League One clearances, Gavin Bazunu third in saves, and no other Pompey player features on any of those rankings. So based off that, Fred, where's the priority, Ben? Oh, where to start? Um, <clears throat> there are so many places, and I'll run through a few smaller ones before going to my major priority. Uh, as far as I know, we don't have a permanent right back. So that's something, <laughs> that's one thing we need to do. No permanent right back or right wing back because Romeo will be going back uh, to Millwall. There are some spots in midfield where there's a lack of depth, but I think the main thing is up front. The main thing is up front. I think if you if, if you look at all the sides who finish in the playoffs and in promotion spots, all of them have a striker who scored at least 15 goals, I believe. Hurst managed to get there, which is brilliant. And I think Hurst being here has shown the type of striker that Portsmouth wants and the type of striker that fits um, Pompey's style of play with the attacking press, the ability for a striker to hold up the ball but drive play and to be able to score his one-on-ones and link up with the midfielders around him. Even if it's not Hurst, if, it, if it's another striker with that skill set to lead the line on his own at times with a partner and have those other attributes that I mentioned, that is the key thing, I believe. Because before George Hurst got his goal-scoring boots on, Pompey really struggled, really struggled up, up front without that focal point. And it was clear when watching it. So I think that's that should be where the priority is, even though there are so many other spots that also need attention. Um, I'm not sure. Whereabouts in the squad would you think is the priority in the summer? Yeah, I do think that that Hurst, I mean, probably a Hurst replacement is key because you see what happens to, or you saw what happened to Pompey's form in general towards the end of the season where Hurst was firing. And it just makes such a difference. And I, I don't want to pile on any individual players here, uh, but I'm, I'm about to. Um, I think you notice the difference when you have a Tyler Walker starting in that position versus a George Hurst. And I'm really pleased for George Hurst that this is a conversation we're even having because not from this podcast, I should add, but there was a decent amount of flack flying around for him when he first signed 
and I'm genuinely so pleased with the bloke. From, from myself included, when he had his bad patch at the beginning, I mean, there's, I, don't, I didn't there's, raise him at all to start with. There's there's levels of flack, though, Fred. I wouldn't say that what you provided was um, akin to a lot of the stuff on nasty, social media. Put it that way, exactly. it, was, it was just saying he wasn't very good most of the time on the pitch, not his yeah. character or anything. But I'm 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 thoroughly chuffed for the bloke that he's worked himself and got enough confidence to get into the position where the vast majority of Pompey fans are now craving his return. And after two or three games for Pompey, I don't think most people would have found that as an even conceivable future situation. So I'm, I'm just pleased for him. I, I think mm-hmm. that has to be the priority. Um, yeah, there, there is one thing to consider with that. Hit me. Do you wait for Hurst to maybe become available or do you search a replacement now? Because I've had a gander in the news and Brendan Rodgers said on Leicestershire Live, this was quoted, um, that he's keen to keep Hurst over pre-season to have a look at him, see what, he's, uh, see what he's like as a player and if he fits in the Leicester City squad for next season before deciding whether to send him out back on loan or not. George Hurst will be there probably until later in pre-season. Season starts earlier because of the World Cup. You're looking at it, and can Pompey afford to wait for Hurst to maybe or maybe not become available, more likely on a loan deal? Or do you push for a striker to come in that has similar attributes, who fits that mould, on a perm early to bed into the side? It is dependent on whether or not Aidan O'Brien returns to Pratt Park. I think that is the priority, to make a, have a decision made or announced on that. And I think whether or not... Aidan O'Brien is, if we're going to see more of him next season, if we are and that gets sorted early, potentially you've got it buys you a bit more time for Hurst if that's the direction you're going with. We know that the Cowleys rate Hurst and I do genuinely think that there'll be some sort of gratitude in there but from Hurst to the Cowley brothers for being like giving him the confidence or helping him get the confidence. So... You'd like to think that Hurst would want to come back. He's got to have far better memories here than he does it. You know, was it Rotherham he was at and struggled that before? I think. Um, and also, Rotherham, and then him alienating Sheffield Wednesday when he was there as a youth player for various yeah, reasons. Exactly. So you'd think that there are better memories at Fratton Park than at those places. So there's some sort of you know affiliation maybe to to Pompey. But yeah, I think if if we can the Royal Week can get a deal done for Aidan O'Brien, I'll be really disappointed if we don't. I don't see what else he could have done that he didn't do when he was here. Then I think it gives us some time to potentially hang around a little bit. And I don't like being the club that waits around to see what the big club does. That doesn't sit well with me. But in terms of realism, potentially it's worth it if if we manage to get him back for next season. Because if he can play a whole season with the confidence he finished this season with, you're looking at, for me, a 20-plus goal a season striker which is something that you know you don't find just lying about more often than not, and it's something that Pompey have really struggled to to uh, replicate, other than you know Brett Pittman a few years ago in in his pomp. It's something worth holding out for, you know. For me, anyway, I'm sure you know opinions like ourselves, right? I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of people who are going to disagree with me on that one, but that's that's where my head's at yeah. on it. I, th- I think it will entirely depend on who's available. If Cowley doesn't rate many of the options available, I don't think, it, it, he's proven now that he doesn't sign anybody for the sake of it. So really, if he doesn't think there's a Hurst replacement about, then he will probably wait a bit. And he said as much to me when I had a chat with him that he wanted to 
potentially get Hurst extended more recently, more realistically on a loan deal. But let's now focus on the players who are here. Uh, you may have seen clubs release their retained list. That just shows who has been released, who has been re-signed and who's on the transfer list. Pompey have until the 21st of May to do this and release their retained list. Uh, at the moment, uh, murmurings from the club Basically, though, that will be released next week. We're not sure, though. No, no given dates so far. But the main thing we've heard, learned, which is arguably one of the key points of the show, uh, the contract option has been taken up on Marcus Harness. It was a club option, which included a pay increase uh, off the top of my head, which I'll have to look look at while Andy's speaking. Extra year um, that that leads him until the end of next season, and I think. That's perfectly fine. Um, Harness this season, 12 goals and seven assists in all comps. Memorable goals and two including that last-minute winner against AFC Wimbledon and the 2-1 win at Fratton Park. I think in many games this season, he's proved, especially in that number 10 role, how integral he is to this midfield from a creative point of view. But sometimes he can go missing. He can go through stretches of play where his passing goes off. The final ball doesn't quite work, but you can't argue with a midfielder who has scored over 10 goals, in my opinion. I think that's I think any midfielder in the first team who scores over 10 goals is worth his salt if they're part of a creative view. Uh, he's, but he's also linked to Swansea City, which has been reported around and other various clubs in the championship. And that contract extension protects Pompey from losing him for nothing, which is... yeah. What Eric Eisner said, he didn't want a big to do. Thing. He, he really, really didn't doesn't like want any more players to go for nothing. We'll see if that continues. But what do you think about this contract option on Marcus Harness? And do you think this will lead into a much longer ports of career, or do you take the point of view it's security for Championship clubs to come in? Next I genuinely, honestly, I think it's at the moment a bit of an securing an asset, and I think that's okay. To be honest, I think it's okay. I don't think you can argue with the goal return over the season for a midfielder, as you say. And it's those sort of X-factor players that can pull something out of the bag that you look for. You know, on those on those dull days, you look for something a little bit special. You look for, you know, Michael Jacobs in the last minute against Gillingham. You look for that moment of quality in a shite game of football. And that is something that Harness is capable of delivering. And you said they're about blowing a bit hot and cold, but let's be honest, Fred, we're in League One. If the players didn't blow hot and cold, they wouldn't be in League One. And I say that with all due respect to people who are far better at football than I am, but we can't expect week in, week out, stunning, game-changing performances because we've seen with players like Matt Clark, if you do have players like that, they bugger off quite fairly to a higher division. Similarly with, you know, there's a reason we aren't able to retain Gavin Bazunu for another 12 months because he's too good. And also we don't own him. I'm glad we've retained him. I think it is a bit of a statement of intent for sure. And especially if that pay increase is there. And yeah, I think it's, it's a good start. I think I said a few, a few months ago, or maybe, maybe more recently than that, a few weeks ago, that even before we we look at which players Pompey sign over summer, for me, the biggest statements of intent are the players we're able to retain 
and I would put Harness on the list of one of those players that we need to to retain. So yeah, I'm glad he's stuck around. I think when he's got a decent striker to to link up with, I think he's a player that can change a game. And that's what we need. That's my slightly uh, drivelly answer to that, Fred. To be honest with you, I think um, he's also proven he could link up with the other attackers that were in this squad. I mean, he did very well with George Hurst when George Hurst got on form. Uh, he drifts into the right areas attacking wise. It, it leads to a very fluid front three most of the time, which I do also do like. Um, I checked up a couple of few things. First of all, Bazunu 16 clean sheets, not 17. I double check that number. And at the moment, it's unconfirmed whether that contract had a pay increase or not. And to be honest, it doesn't really matter, <laughs> really, in my opinion, because they had to secure that asset regardless of the pay increase. Obviously, there's been murmurings of the club not wanting to do that because to save on budget. But really, it's Marcus Harness. It's one of the. It's weird calling players assets, but that's basically what he is. Well, they he are. Play, he can play. He can play in the first team this season, or if a championship team comes in with a reasonable offer, then hey, we'll just have to go and find the next Marcus Harness um, of similar ilk. I'm going to go through the rest of the players that that we'll hear a decision about or not. Reported in the news, Jordan Cross. He reported earlier that Pompey would retain the option on Marcus Harness, which has been confirmed today. Other players where that will happen include Louis Thompson, Jay Mingi, and Jaden Reed. Obviously, those haven't been confirmed yet, but I think Jordan's a very reliable source on this one. What do you think of those three players having their contract options, their club options extended? Mingi and Reed's an interesting one, and I don't have the evidence base, Fred, to have an informed opinion on this. We talked about this towards the end of the season. You have to assume that on the training pitch, based on performances, the Cowleys have decided that they could do something in League One. And as someone who hasn't watched them on the training pitch, who am I to argue with that? I think I've seen them for maybe a combined total of 30-ish minutes in an actual match situation in person. So I find that quite a difficult question to answer really Freddie if I'm honest um, I'm going to answer that in six months with the power of hindsight and then cite the Cowleys as either uh, a couple of geniuses or that it was an absolutely terrible decision we all could have seen coming uh, so I'm that is my want and that is uh, what I will be doing mid-season but mm-hmm. for now I'm going to sit firmly on the fence and yeah if I don't have the evidence base and they do then you have to assume that their decision is the right one mm-hmm. i I like the idea of Louis Thompson sticking around. I think he's shown more than a little bit of class while he's been here. Honestly, I don't mind any of the decisions so far. The, the Jacobs on a paper play, this is one something I have a a slight... I'll jump in quickly on that one. That is in the same article where we mentioned the retain lists. It is understood that Louis Thompson, Joe Mingy, and Jaden Reed will get those club options extended. Obviously not confirmed but we will assume for the point of view that it will happen. Danny Cowley also mentioned he was keen to negotiate a pay-as-you-play contract for Michael Jacobs. Jacobs does have a club option for a year, but two major things, I think, or a few, have gotten in the way of uh, the board wanting to take that up. One, it probably has a pay increase in it. Two, he's hit the magical age of 30, which makes uh, board people quiver a little bit and three he's had a lot of injuries he's been brilliant when he's played and I think he's been excellent when he's played he's been he's 
I remember him being substituted on in many games where Pompey have been creatively drab and dreary. Bereft. Yeah, bereft of creativity. And he's come on, drove play through dribbling, created troubles for centre-halves, put in some decent crosses from deliveries and changed the game. That he calls the last minute on goal with on goal against Gillingham away, which I remember. And played out position as well. I, I think it was he... given as an own goal in the end. Was it? I thought he scored that. Mm. I'll have to oh. check that now. Okay. <laughs> but I, I believe I it was he given it. as an own goal. I mean it doesn't matter, does it? it no, it doesn't. But he, he, he him playing out of position created that and made it happen. But let's assume since it's been reported that Danny Cowdy is keen to negotiate that type of contract. What is your opinion on that? Because I think, personally, that's the classic example of a contract that is meant to be turned down. Well, yeah, but that's what they offered Thompson and he accepted it and it's worked out pretty well. I don't love... Uh, I don't love the principle of it. I really don't. I think he's earned more than that. Like, metaphorically, I think he deserves more for what he's brought this season. I... I think that either shows a reluctance to pay to pay a pay increase, which is the potential. And if that is the case, I think that shows a bit of a, you know, we want you, but we don't want you that much, which I don't love. It's either that or it's a, I'm not entirely convinced that you're going to do bits here enough for you to be worth us paying to keep you around. I don't know. I It doesn't sit well with me, if I'm honest, Freddie. And it's one of the few things that I, I do genuinely see a little bit differently from the Cowleys in, in how they negotiate these contracts. And it just doesn't sit brilliantly with me when it's someone who I think has been one of the better performers this season and has a bit of a wand, to be honest with you, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know. I'm finding it really hard yeah. to articulate. But I'm finding it very difficult to articulate. Yeah, if I'm but, honest. yeah. Uh, I think for the payers you play, I think it works for Thompson, Louis Thompson purely because... He got a long stretch without playing any games because of several injuries. And it incentivised him to play well and get fit, which he did. I think Jacobs has paid, played enough this season. Let me quickly double-check the amount of appearances he's made. Yeah, include include sub-appearances for sure, because that's where he's come on and yeah, actually yeah, done things. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's even in games, Freddie, just while you're doing that, it's even in games where we've not ended up getting anything from it, like Sunderland away. Even in those games when it is we said the word bereft a minute ago those games where we've just been a bit devoid of any creativity he's come on and been a bit of a spark in those games where maybe a a glitzy player like Harness doesn't fire it's one of those occasions it's just yeah I I feel like he's earned more than that I think he deserves more than that and I know he's got injury records etc but for him to come back from essentially signing for Ipswich, if we're being honest, <laughs> last summer, he was basically an Ipswich town player until Paul Cook did Paul Cook things. And for him to come back down to Pompey and essentially start from square one again with an injury background and be one of the stronger players this season, I think he deserves more than a you know pay-per-play kind of deal. Mm-hmm. According to Football Reference, which uh, tracks appearances for League, FA Cup and League Cup, not the B-team trophy, but that doesn't matter. Jokers has played 27 games this season, uh, but has only started 12 of them 
And in total, he has played just over 1,200 minutes. It was more than last season. Because last season, according to FBRF, he made 20 appearances in the league, including one appearance in the FA Cup for just over 1,100 minutes. So that's where Jacobs is in terms of playing time. He's played more, obviously. But there have been, there's the argument of if he's on a big contract and he only plays that amount of minutes, which is, let's just say for the sake of arguing, let's say it's half a season. Do you give a player, no matter how good he is, that amount of money for half a season? Mm. And that's the thing that the manager weighs up. Does he think that he can get more value out of that wage somewhere else? And that's the... That's the key thing to think about. Yeah, you, you can see you can see the fiscal argument to it. And I'm not saying that it's financially completely illogical. I'm saying it doesn't sit well with me. And those are two completely different things. Mm-hmm. And they can both mm-hmm. be true. It can be a financially good decision and it still not sit well with me on a sort of a, a moral reward ethics kind of level. Um, both of those things can be true at the same time. And it maybe that is the case. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's financially not an awful decision, but... Yeah, just just the way I see it. I'm not the one paying his wages, though, so easy for me to say. I think for me personally, you commit. I think think you give him a proper contract. Uh, Two-year deal, because he's not going to accept a one-year deal, I don't think. Um, Pompey did that last summer with Clark Robertson, who had a poor injury record, and he was was out for one spell, but when he got those games in, he did really well. They committed to Louis Thompson, who had a worse injury record. So just because they've got an injury record doesn't mean that that's going to persist all the time. Uh, Honestly, look, mate, look but, at Jack you know, Watmore. Look at Jack Watmore. Yes, yeah, don't record. remind me about Jack Watmore. Don't and then how, how's his injury record been at Wigan? Yes, do, I know. Do, do let me know. How many games has he started for them? Yeah, yeah, yes, I know. I was very sad that they let him go. <laughs> I was very sad Pompey let him go and then he goes on, I think, to not miss a game this season. I don't think... Well, exactly. Game, and right. Injuries do predispose you to further injuries, especially ACL, MCL, general knee injuries. But that doesn't mean it's necessarily always going to happen. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I could talk about this for a long time. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Bit, Fred, should yeah. we move on a little bit? We'll see what happens when we can discuss it when it's confirmed either way. But I don't want to spend like 45 minutes on a pod discussing Michael Jacobs' knees. Or hamstrings. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Pla- uh, from, that, uh, from that article, players who are tipped to leave and not get their contracts extended. Callum Johnson, who was on loan at Fleetwood. I think that was pretty obvious. Paul Downing, who was on loan at Rochdale. That's a given. No! Fair enough. Um, <laughs> Ollie, Ollie Weber, the substitute goalkeeper uh, from Crystal Palace. I have not seen him play, so he seems pretty replaceable. Those are, off the top of my head, the three main ones. Negotiations are apparently ongoing with Sean Raggett for another contract, with both, with both sides keen to discuss, which is good. Um, it's not as if that Pompey are taking the begging bowl to Sean Raggett, considering he's out of contract and he did have a club option, but it only would have been done if they got promotion this season. So that club option is not there. So they'll have to negotiate a fresh contract. And I think he's deserved it. Player of the year awarded, excellent about clearances, aerial jewels. He's improved so much as a player since he first came here. And I think he can be the heart of the defence quickly. What do you think on the priority that Sean Raggett gets his extension. Oh, I think we just need to start a conspiracy theory about how the owners didn't want Pompey to go up because it would have meant giving Sean Raggett a pay rise. I think we can definitely set the ball rolling there, Fred. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> no, um, 
I think, yeah, Raggett has got to be a priority. I think you absolutely have to give credit where it's due. Those individual mistakes that littered the season before amid really excellent games, you know, they, those were littered between individual goal-costing mistakes. That was a, a distant memory for the vast majority of this season, so I think he has to be a priority. And, you know, as we said, he was the only Pompey player, the only Pompey outfield player in any of those top five rankings for the league um, that I read out near the start of the pod. It's got to be a priority. Um, for for Callum Johnson, who could turn down the opportunity be, to be banished by a slightly psychotic Scott Brown at Fleetwood Town? I think that's a that's One game to look out for next season, though. Fleetwood against Bristol Rovers. Jerry, oh, my Barton, Jerry Barton and uh, Scott Brown as managers. Would it be the first game I know of for both managers to get red cards? Honestly, no, it's, it's the battle of the trackies and the white nikes, isn't it? <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be something else. But yeah, could you could you really turn that down? I don't know. I no, I no. don't I don't think we missed Callum Johnson, and I say that with again the greatest of respect. Did a perfectly serviceable job at Pompey. Seems like a thoroughly nice enough bloke. I'm sure that will get knocked out of him by Scott Brown as well. But um, I don't. You talked about replaceability. I don't think Scott. Uh, Scott Brown we, we aren't signing Scott Brown mm-hmm. I don't think Callum Johnson is irreplaceable by any stretch yeah, of the imagination yeah. and I, I think the fact that he was one of the first players that the Cowleys kind of had a look at and then went out the revolving door I really don't think we're going to be seeing him back it says a lot I, doesn't it um, I, th- I think I mentioned earlier that Pompey had no right backs but I completely forgot about Kieran Freeman because he had that horrible injury at the end of last season um, which kept him out for what that's three months or so. Yeah, it was a, it was it's a time. A while. It's been a while since he was good part shout. of the side. Um, I had literally forgotten about him as well, so that's a good shout. Yeah, really. I, I do rate it. From what I've seen of him, I think in a back four, he was serviceable, but as a wing back, he seemed out of place, personally. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he didn't he play it as a centre of... or in Yes, he played... And, uh, yeah, and he also well. played it right-sided centre-half, which didn't, it didn't work. at all. It didn't suit It didn't work at all. Speaking of players who didn't suit being played at centre-half, Sean Williams. He was also earmarked to not be offered a contract extension. And I remind the listeners that all of this has not been confirmed. This is... We're assuming that, the, that if these decisions go through, because um, Jordan Cross mentioned that that is roughly what may or may not happen. So assuming that, Sean Williams not getting an extension, I'm not surprised, unfortunately. I thought it was a good idea to bring him to start with because I thought he'd be a stabilising force in the midfield, a proper deep line playmaker to set a play down and put in those progressive passes because I remember him having very good progressive pass numbers at the beginning of the season. But I don't think it, it, I don't think it worked. I think his body caught up to him, unfortunately. We have a little so, disclaimer, Fred, that if any of what you've just said about all these players is not true, complaints can go to at freds.w on Twitter. Um, Fred will be more than happy to... For an article I didn't even write. Brilliant. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> if we, uh, we can blame you for all the things. That's uh, freddy.web at jpress.co.uk if you want to directly <laughs> send Freddy messages of absolute disgust. If, be, uh, if, you, if you have a news story in the Portsmouth area, you can send those across <laughs> as well. Fred, you're not that desperate, mate. Has anyone got like any good local news stories? Get in touch. No, uh, that's just that's, it, it, the email's <laughs> always there in the Twitter bio. It's always there. So, Freddie, which um, 
which which pub in Portsmouth is selling the cheapest pints at the moment? Have we uh, done that article I'm not recently? Sure. But my, 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 my stories have been more important recently. You, they have front, actually. I've got, um, got a front page, so you can stuff that one. <laughs> <laughs> you nibbled. I knew you'd nibble. Um, to be fair, no, you're right. The, the stories you've been tweeting recently have actually been pretty impactful, to be fair, which is why it's safe to take the piss a little bit out of um, some of your... Everybody starts somewhere, don't they? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you've yeah. got far more of a uh, a what's it called a journalism career than I ever will. So I'm I'm literally doing the equivalent of heckling from the stands, being a you know the equivalent of being a 45 stone man shouting "you fat bastard" at Harry. Uh, I don't, I don't the, think anybody who's 45 stone can actually live. Surely. <laughs> oh, have you not seen my 1,000 pound life? No, I that? haven't, and I don't. Oh, want Fred. To. Uh, one player. Can... No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> are we not? Are we not I'm doing this? away? What one player who we haven't spoke <laughs> about is Rico Hackett. Yeah, he does have a club option. It has been reported multiple times by the news that that club option does have a pay increase. At the moment, we don't know if that's going to be taken up or not. And other reports said that negotiations for just a completely new contract were on the table. What do you think about Rico Hackett this season? And how much of a priority is he for a new contract? Oh, it depends what you're going to do with him, Fred. I don't I don't love him playing at wing-back. And I don't think he likes playing at wing-back. Uh, I seem to remember an interaction between him and Lee Brown on on Instagram when Lee Brown left to join Wimbledon. There was something along the lines of Lee Brown taking the piss, saying "enjoy play, enjoy playing at wing back, mate." Something along those lines, and uh, I don't think it got the most favourable response. So, I don't think anyone wants him to play at wing back. I think he's got potential going forward. Um, again, it's for me. This one is dependent on the size of if it is a pay increase. Intertwined with the uh, the contract negotiation, I th- think for me that's he's not a must keep for me. I am really encouraged when I see him perform because obviously he was out in the doldrums a bit under Kenny Jacket, and it's nice to see a redemption arc. To be honest with you, the sort of the narrative in me like seeing that. Um, for me, that that's a decision that is finance is dictated with a level of detail that we probably don't have access to unless Jordan Cross has got that in his article which I haven't actually read no the article doesn't refer to directly players wages because I shouldn't do it to be honest very 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 few people know what those actual wages are it would be grossly inappropriate if it did exactly exactly Um, I think what I will say on Hackett is he's good I like the fact that he's played in the league this season compared to last Excellent free kick taking from memory. Scored a decent free kick. Yep. uh, Like a rebound free kick against Lincoln City. So I do like that about his game. I've been impressed when he's played in a 4-2-3-1 on the wing. Um, I don't think he's quite got the close control yet to play at Cam. uh, But I do think his attacking link-up play is very good. Uh, At wing back, he seemed a bit out of position. I don't think it suits him at all. So I I think think defensively it doesn't suit him. It doesn't, no. Full it stop. doesn't. I think if you, at the moment, if Pompey want to play a wing back system, they just have to go with Debra Hume. And we've remembered Debra Hume isn't exactly a defensive stalwart either. So that's a position to keep in mind. Hell of a ball on him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hell of a ball on him. Good cross. Mm, mm. But I don't think Hackett has much of a negotiating position. Yes, he's had a breakout season in League One, mix of starts and subs. 
hasn't necessarily set the world on fire. So if he, if he, for example, doesn't like the new contract that's offered to him, where does he go? Are they, are they ranking League One side? Otherwise, I think you could. I think he'd. I mean, I'm, I'm not really based on any evidence. I think he I'm would quite either, comfortably but... walk into a, a newly promoted side into League One and start. For me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, that, I think that's the key thing to think about. Uh, unlike, I don't think he might just think that staying at Pompey is the best course purely for his development, and we'll see what happens. Another player who might stay for his developments is Alex Bass, coming back from Bradford City. He mentioned again in the news article that he wants to come back and fight for the number one spot with Bazunu gone, and the assumption <laughs> that Weber will that Weber will not be renewed. Where does he? Uh, do you think Pompey will look at a new keeper, or do you think they'll well, see Alex need, Bass and go, "He's our number one man"? You need two keepers, don't you? Um, I would just as a throwback. Do you remember the first part of last season when we were debating who was going to be number one keeper at Pompey? Fred um, seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? I do remember that but, actually because I do remember saying I was a bit Alex worried Bass, about. Didn't you? Uh, uh, yeah, no, I remember being slightly worried about Gavin Bazunu, but he. <laughs> shove that towards me and quite rightly so yeah right um, but to answer your question I think another keeper is going to have to come and yet you can't purely have one keeper and be entirely dependent on Alex Bass and also he needs competition I have no issue with him starting I think generally he did you know, anyone is going to be with all due respect a slight downgrade compared to what we've just had that's just the fact of life that we have to get used to I think and it's unfortunate having said that Alex Bass is an extremely good goalkeeper and needs game time to become the player that he can become. We've seen flashes of it. I've seen, you know, I've watched him live in a few games where he's been literally unbeatable in goal. I think his his breakthrough game was sort of a some some shitty cup game away at the Kassam that Pompey won on penalties, and um, in that game he was just unreal, staggeringly staggeringly good performance. So he's got the potential and it seemed from what I've seen of him at Bradford, it alternated between, you know, absolutely incredible goalkeeping and a couple of really sloppy errors that cost them points. And I think you're going to get that with a young goalkeeper. But are we going to bring in another keeper? I, I don't have the answer to that, Fred. I think we need to bring in a keeper, whether or not it's a first choice with Bass playing second fiddle or Bass going out on loan. Or we bring in a second keeper and just commit to Alex Bass and say, right, time for this project to really get a foothold. I don't know. If I'm honest, Fred, what do you think? Well, uh, for Bradford, Bass played 21 games, all of them starts, um, 26 goals against in that time, and with six clean sheets in all comps. And you mentioned his performances were pretty erratic. He would have some games where he'd keep them in it completely, have a clean sheet. And then some games where he would he would play less well. I think it entirely depends on who, who's available. I think one keeper who I would like to see Portsmouth go for if they do go down the, the lone route is Jamie Cumming, who played for MK Dons and Gillingham. I think he's a very good keeper on though from Chelsea. Those larger clubs have seen what Pompey can do if they set if their long their, their young players go there. So I think if Cumming comes in, that's an upper echelon goalkeeper at this level. Not, I'm mm-hmm. not saying in a similar mould to Bazunu, but he will definitely start and he will definitely be comfortable. 
I think Bass is at least, uh, uh, with his loan spell, he's at least earned to be a part of the conversation. But what I will say is, either way, I don't want him as a sub-keeper next season. Yeah, I'd agree with that. He, he either starts or you send him out on loan again. There's no in-between. There's no, there's no keeping on the bench because he needs to play at this point in his career. Bradford City was his first half-season loan spell. He went on loan to Southend in 2020-2021 but got a horrible injury within the first game. So really, that Bradford City stint was his first long stretch where he was where he was the starting goalkeeper since 1920 when he played those 15 games from January after obviously he came in for Craig McGilvery at that time and did very well other bits Fred, and bobs uh, just a, a quick one Fred are you looking forward yes or no answer are you looking forward to the next six to eight weeks of uh, Ten Bompson being uh, thrown around in conversation ah yes that player um, in all seriousness I do think Bompson should go after him for a, you do majority, yes for a vast majority of reasons one he's on a free <laughs> two he fits that mould and in his Gillingham performances I think he's played really well despite the issues of fitness about not starting loads. He's a midfielder who can drive play. He's a midfielder who could make progressive passes with regularity. He's also not defensive liability. He's a more of a box-to-box player. He can put the tackle in when need be. I don't see why Pompey shouldn't go after him, purely from an objective point of view, not from the, oh my God, he had a brilliant half a season in, oh God, what season was it now? 2018, 2019. <laughs> that was the last time I think he played for Pompey. Uh, ignoring that completely, just as a pure what sort of player he is now, I don't see why Pompey shouldn't go for him at the moment. Because it'll be reliving, it's redredging the jacket era. The point of, or one of the points of this Cowley era is we move forward. Mm. And I don't, for me, it's like going back to an ex. You broke up for a reason, mate. Get forget past it. And our reason was a, a heartbreaking loan recall. But I, I, th- I think it will definitely boost the shirt sales. Could you imagine <laughs> if he does sign everybody walking around in a Ben Thompson shirt? I don't actually know the last time I bought a shirt with a player's name on the back. So, in fact, I don't think I ever have at Pompey. I've only ever had one shirt with a name on the back, and it was a 2008 shirt. What was the year we had the gold on the shirt? Uh, 2008, 2009 ish? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It so, might be the uh, oh, oh, 07, 07, 08, and I think 08, 09 as well. It was one of those, and I had Mitch on the back. And other than that, I've never bought writing on the back of a no, Pompey shirt. I, whenever I buy a shirt, I do love a player's name. Don't know why, but there was a curse of players leaving after I get the name on the back of the shirt. And the last one was Gareth Evans, and then he left, sadly. So yeah, I went for a bit of a break of not buying a <laughs> not not buying a shirt with a player's name at the back. <laughs> fair dudes. Yeah, that's fair, Fred. I was actually while we're talking about names on shirts, I was thinking of players that I would want on the back of a shirt. And I have a trivia question for you. Which ex Pompey player is the only player in world football history to play in a World Cup for two different countries? Hello, future Andy here. Just to clarify, that question should have been to score for two countries in World Cups, not just to play for two different countries in World Cups. Cheers. Playing a World Cup for two different countries. Can you give me a, a year range? I think, it will, I think it will give it away if I do. Right. In a World Cup. Two different nations. I know that... 
Kevin Prince Boateng obviously played for Ghana at the 2010 World Cup. But I don't know if he played for Germany beforehand. I think he was too young. I can't think of anybody else. No, it's but I'm going to say Boateng, but that's wrong. So it is wrong. Yeah, I was um, going to say. This question was originally on the quickly Kevin Willie score uh, end of season quiz a couple of years ago. Mm. Uh, Robert Prozanecki scored oh, for both Yugoslavia and, and Croatia. Croatia. Yeah, 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 fair enough. Uh, I think that yeah, that was that would have given it away because I was thinking modern around that. Yeah, time. exactly. But when Pompey actually had inter- more international players, yeah, exactly. Well, well, I just love that bit of trivia. We've digressed, but I love that bit of trivia. Mm. Mm. Last few bits. Go for it. Let's wrap before, up, Fred, before, yeah. before we wrap up, Alfie Bridgman and Dan Gifford getting uh, academy extensions for another year. Uh, when Hugh's next back on the pod, I'll ask him about those because um, it seems very positive that Pompey are extending some of their youth players. Yeah. It's very nice news. Yep, yeah, congratulations pro- to them both. Happy days. Uh, and players linked with Pompey so far, but purely in the realm of gossip, I think. Nothing, nothing permanent so far. Carl Joseph, uh, Swansea striker who scored four in 13 for Cheltenham this season. Um, Gloucester Live, journalist John, John Palmer says he has the attributes to do anything, everything. So that kind of thinks he's of that George That's a big mold. Claim. That's a huge claim. He yeah. has the attributes to do everything. <laughs> yeah, he, he, mainly, he mainly talks about his aerial presence, his athleticism, his ability to defend from set pieces and his ability to bully defenders. Does that make it under six foot frame? That makes him a target man mould. And I think that's the sort of striker who probably should go after, but hey-ho, nothing confirmed yet, so I won't talk about him too much. Um, Football Insider also reported that Pompeo after Ethan Erhohan, I think I've pronounced that right, good God, that's, that's a second name. 21-year-old combative midfielder at St Mirren, Highly rated due to his age. Played a lot of games for St Mirren and did really well. But he also has links with NK Dons and QPR. Clubs in a better negotiating situation than Pompey, in my opinion. But that fits Pompey's mould of looking for younger players with a bit of potential who can slot in now. And I believe we're all updated on the news before the official retained list is released. Yeah, there were a, a couple of others. We have the classic rumour of Lyndon Gooch. He seems to float around from time to time. Really? I think that's, yeah, Andy Moon suggested that that's a player we'd be interested in, apparently. Um, this is this is classic Twitter chat. And also Aaron Collins from Bristol Rovers, uh, who scored, was it 15 goals last season? He scored in that mental 7 0, didn't he? Yeah. Which, for, by the way, I watched the highlights of that. The Scunthorpe goalkeeper. I mean, you said to me that what well, you said in the podcast earlier that once you get to thirty, you, you know, what was that? I can't remember what the phrase you used, but it hurt me. No, it's, uh, it's the stereotypical thing of right of um, like board members seeing that a player goes to thirty and then thinking, oh god, their ability is randomly going to go down just because they're thirty. It's not true, right. all case okay, by good. case basis, obviously. But there's that stereotype, isn't there? But my point here, Fred, is that I mean, I used to play in goal not at a particularly high level, but goalkeeper is sort of my position. And watching that Bristol Rovers Scunthorpe game has genuinely given me hope that I might still have a future in the game. The Scunthorpe goal, like I there wasn't like a an outfield player going in goal for them, right? Or anything along those lines. because I, I kept tabs with the game and didn't notice anything like that. Their goalkeeper is awful. Absolutely dreadful. Like, I think he said their entire team is awful. You don't have to think technique about that. wise. No, but I think it shows up more when it's a goalkeeper, doesn't it? But 
technically, I'm far from a great goalkeeper. If I'm spotting huge technical flaws in your game, then you have huge technical flaws in your game. Uh, so any young aspiring goalkeepers, get yourself down to Scunthorpe and play, you know, um, National League and uh, potentially bounce up to League Two in a couple of years because apparently they're in dire need of someone who can actually play in that position. Awful, Fred. I look forward to us signing him in six to eight weeks' time and me being forced to eat my word. Do you want to wrap it up, Fred? I think we've run out of things to say when we're talking about this goalkeeper at Scunthorpe United, to be honest. I, I think that's a natural progression of conversation. to talk. If I, if I had a dollar for every time I talked about a goalkeeper at Scunthorpe United, I would, I'd have a dollar now. So, should we wrap up, Fred? God, I'm tired. It's been <laughs> shall, fun chatting, Fred. Yeah, it, it has been. been. I think the last thing to say since we're nearing the end of the season, thank you very much to the listeners for keeping this show what it is by by purely by tuning in. We do always make time and I know there have been plenty of parts of this season where we haven't been able to do it every week for a myriad of reasons, but it's been, it's been nice to do it again and the plans are we will move into next season and I think me and Hugh have done some discussions about what we want to do over the summer in terms of transfer specials and we will tell everybody about that uh, when we've confirmed stuff. So yeah, Bye. pleasure as always. Basically, just listening. It's always fun. Um, everyone who has supported the podcast on Buy Me A Coffee this year, huge thank you to you. There's literally, there was no need to do it and we're never ever, like we're never going to stop doing this like for, for free. It's not going anywhere. We should do it for a bit of a laugh. But for those of you who, yeah, put some money to buy me a coffee, again, in, in the full interest of full disclosure and honesty, uh, most of it went on server costs. The leftover went on mostly Jaeger um, with a small amount of tequila and Sambuca uh, at a combination of um, the brewery and Fratton and various away bars. So thank you for your support. But at some point, we will do a drunk podcast. I think the only drunk podcast we've ever done has been an accidental one when Kenny Jacket got sacked and two out of three of us. Uh, yeah, I wasn't even drunk. Yeah, so. two of the three of us just happened to be pretty white girl wasted um, at that time anyway, which is a damning indictment considering it was one o'clock in the afternoon. But uh, at some point uh, with the Buy Me A Coffee funds, we will we'll do a drunk pod with a request. I think that could be... Could be an idea for the off season. Got to keep things fresh. Yeah, or, or it can be used on so, on something more productive, and we will tell you about that if that. No, happens. Yeah. To be fair, server costs is the priority, isn't it? So yeah, we're we're very grateful. Thanks for listening in, and we'll be back pretty shortly, hopefully with a uh, a fully fit and functioning Hugh Bunce. Hugh, get well soon. Was it? It's, like it's tooth or something, isn't it? That's giving him grief at the moment. Hugh, hope your teeth get better, and you get that lovely pearly smile back as soon as possible. You cute bastard. Right. That'll do for now. Fred, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for listening, everyone. And bearing with the inane chat ranging from Scunthorpe United's goalkeeper through to, I, I genuinely hate to think what else we talked about on this episode. I've already forgotten. But until next time, play up Pompey. You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle!